Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Allie, and I am our women's ministry leader here at Renovation. I'm excited to bring the word today. I really believe that God has a word for us, and I'm honored and excited to bring the word. However, I know that if you're not here in person, um, and as we've been in the COVID season, my dad, he's the lead pastor, and before he preaches, every time he's up here stretching. So just so you know why he's already ready to get ramped up and, as he says, get set on fire, that's why. He's already ready to go. And um, he is not here this morning, and I just wanted to take a moment, honestly, because he's not here, <laughs> to honor him. Um, and my mom, him and my mom are in an undisclosed location. <laughs> and um, they're away right now, and this has been a really crazy season. This has been, and when I say season, I mean COVID season, right? And uh, it's been since March. He has been on the go. And you guys, I watch my dad in every aspect of life, and he is doing his best to seek God first, to seek counsel, to seek wisdom, and to do what's best for us as a church, as a family, as a person, and it goes, he is the same person everywhere, and I just want to say thank you guys for adhering to these, you know, all the things that we have to do to be together, but we get to be together, and I want to honor him for leading us so well during this time, so dad, I don't know if you're watching, um, but thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray and go ahead and jump into the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this morning and the honor and blessing it is um, just to be together, God, to be in your presence. May we not take this time, this moment, this season, this year for granted. God, whatever it is that's holding us um, Maybe back right now, Lord God, from seeing what you have in store for us, the bigger picture, what you have in front of us, the future you have for all of us, Lord, I pray that you pinpoint those things in our hearts this morning as your word is read and that your spirit speaks to each one of us individually as we believe that you do, Lord God. I'm, I'm waiting in expectation, Lord, and we just gift this, and I gift this as an offering to you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, you guys, you remember, it was a really long time ago. It feels like years ago. December 31st, 2019. <laughs> you remember that day where we were so excited and we were maybe together with our friends and our family and we were so pumped. I mean, I was, I, I love New Year's. I love New Year's, a, a new start, a fresh vision, all of these things, but for it to be 2020, I mean, that's a pastor's dream for like sermon series, right? 2020 vision, you know, like we always want a vision cast at the beginning of the year. And so December 31st is here and we're excited because 2020 just sounds better than 2030, you know what I mean? And it's just so exciting. And I feel like there was this feeling from what I was reading, from what I was watching around the world that this is like something big was going to happen in 2020 vision. <gasps> And so I got in my car that morning. I was like, usually I go to Sedona first thing. And I decided, well, it's 2020. You got to go grand, right? So we went to the Grand Canyon, my friend and I. Um, we got there right in time for sunrise, January 1st, 2020. 
And it was absolutely stunning. And we got there. We almost missed it because of Starbucks run. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Girl's got to have her coffee. Okay. And so we got there, and it was absolutely beautiful. It had snowed that week, and it was just stunning. And my friend Rachel and I were there, and we were so pumped. We're like, yeah, 2020. Little did those poor girls know. <laughs> what was coming our way. We were dreaming like this magical number, like, oh my goodness, like it actually equals 40 and how, you know, in scripture, 40 is like a cool number. And then we're at the canyon, the grand canyon and vision, grander vision, like God has a grander vision for us. That's literally how we talk. And I'm sorry, I'm not being dramatic. I wish I was sometimes, but we were so pumped. We were hoping and dreaming for great things for this year. And some of us had bigger dreams than others. I'm just saying hubby where are you 2020 hubby 2020 question mark I got that was taken on that day and I did draw that stick figure and posted it that day believing that the Lord was going to do something this year and I just say hey there's four months left you know what I mean yeah Everybody be praying. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, is that we all, so many people have these visions and words for the year. How many of you guys tend to pick out a vision or a phrase or a word for your year, your season, or maybe it's at your birthday? You're like, Lord, what is it for this year? So as I was reading in this and in the, in the scripture that we're going to dive into today, I couldn't help but wonder what our vision is. Where is it? So I asked everyone, I asked people on Facebook, I just said, hey, how many of you chose a word or a phrase this year and can you share it with me? And if you would like to, tell me if it's helped you this year or not. So some of my faves were 2020 zero stars, would not recommend. <laughs> okay. Um, another one was don't park here. I was like, yeah, I like that. And someone from our church, uh, her daughter heard her boss playing a song, and she said, Mom, this is how I feel about COVID when she heard the words, wake me up when it's all over. <laughs> but people shared, some from renovation, these are words, it says trust is their word for 2020 and how much they had to lean into that. Shine, to be a thoughtful saint, be still and know, surrender, abide, grit and grace. He knows, say la. Courage, light, abundance, seek first. And you know, some people even messaged me and said they were thankful that I asked the question because it reminded them of the vision that they had in the first place that they had forgotten about along the way. And so this doesn't sound like an August, mid-August type of message, but I'm just wondering if maybe along the way in the midst of the chaos that has been 2020, God wants to pull our focus off of the chaos and back up at him. He has a grander vision for us this year, not to lose hope of the excitement that we felt in 2020 at the January 1st when we were excited about it, that he has something more in store. Proverbs 29:18 says this, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people will perish. To cast off restraint means to be wandering, to be aimlessly going, to have no direction. Um, even some of this, the uh, de definitions said that is blindness. To cast off restraint and look at our world. Everybody's doing whatever feels right to them in this moment. Where is the vision? 
We are people of vision because we serve a God who has a grander vision. So today to explain this, this vision, we're not talking about vision and the physical, like I can see you, but vision in this spiritual realm. It's often in scripture given through a prayer, a dream, even a trance, yes, I know, um, that conveys a revelation about something to get a bigger picture or perspective, a different perspective. Second Corinthians 4.18 reads this. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. So we can see the day-to-day news and all of the changing facts and not know who to believe. We can see our bank accounts going down and we can see families being destroyed because they're having to be together all the time now. And they're having to work through lifelong issues and we're all in these moments where we're just trying to figure out what's happening the next day. Who's gonna say the next thing that gets them canceled? And God's saying, I am calling you higher. I am calling my people people higher. This is not our home, so we need to be looking up and wondering how do we bring heaven to earth today? To have vision that is grander than we could ask or imagine. And our scripture today is going to be in Acts 10. And um, I love this because there's these two visions actually that collide. Two men have two separate visions and when they act on it, their worlds collide and it's world changing. Luke is is writing Acts. I don't know if you guys know this, but Luke, the one who wrote the gospel of Luke is writing the Acts of the Apostles. And I love, just so you guys know that, it's just a little Bible trivia, but also Luke loves detail. He's a physician and he loves detail. Who likes their physician to, to love some detail, right? Okay, I know, I've just had some medical things and I'm like, I don't even care that her bedside manner is like, eh, that girl is good and I'll, I'll sign up for her any day, right? We love that our physicians are detailed and also I'm a detailed person probably, also why my sermons can sometimes go a little long, but it's okay. I'm gonna try and do better this morning, but Luke, he writes so detailed on this exact story that if you want to read the whole thing verbatim, it's Acts 10 through 11, but we're going to focus in on a portion of it and we're going to go from there, okay? So if you want to take time this week, the background of this, we have Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion. That means he's in charge of 100 centurion Romans in the Italian regiment in Caesarea. So Caesarea is about 30 miles or so north of where the apostle Peter is. And he gets this vision. He, he's not um, a believer as of now, but he, is a, he prays. He is well-known in the community. He's respected by the Jewish leaders, and he helps the poor. So he's very um, admired and honored in his community. And he gets this vision. One day he's in prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he's praying, and he gets this vision of an angel. And the angel tells him to send people to Joppa to find a man named Peter at Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. So he gets this vision, and what does he do? He sends two of his servants and one soldier, and they head out to Joppa. The next day is where we enter into the story, Acts 10, 9 through 16. 
We're entering into Simon's house where Peter is, and it says about noon, verse 9, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open, and something like a large sheet began to be let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Three times and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. And there are many ways we can go with that message, but I believe that God has something specific for us on one phrase of it. But I want to tell you and point out a few things. First of all, uh, Peter is at Simon the Tanner's house, which means that he is already around unclean things because the tanners would be around dead animals and that within the Jewish culture would make them unclean. So Peter's already kind of like around those unclean things. He's up on the roof, which is a place of devotion in those days, at noon and he's been fasting and he is hungry. The meal is taking a long time. He's praying and he falls into a trance. What I think is fantastic is that God gives him a vision while he's hungry about food that he cannot eat. I'm like, this is hilarious because I feel like what if I got a vision while I was fasting or I was really hungry and I'm gluten-free and God just drops this blanket down in my vision and it's like all the gluten-full things on the world. We got donuts, we got bread, we got pretzel, like the pretzel bun dips, what are those called? I just, I just saw a vision of them. I was like, whoa. I was like, obviously, I really, really would love some of those. All of those things. And if God told me, get up and eat, Allie, I'd be like, okay. Oh, I'm sure we'll do that. Thank you, sir. And I'm going to go ahead and eat. But Peter responds, surely not, Lord. Surely not. Peter has a habit of responding in this way. When Jesus was still on the earth, he was with Peter and he was telling all of them that he would die, that he would be crucified. And Peter goes, surely not, Lord, surely not. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Ouch, okay? I think I would learn my lesson after that to say, never say surely not, Lord, again. Yet Peter does it again in the upper room at Passover before Jesus is taken to the cross. He's saying, I want to wash your feet. I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. You can't wash my feet. So this is something that Peter says often. And something else I love is that this happened three times. The vision happened three times. Peter has a thing with threes. Peter on the night that Jesus was going to trial, Peter, well, Peter had been told by Jesus already, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter's like, surely not, Lord. <laughs> surely not. And what does he do? 
He denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus meets him after he went to the cross. He was buried and resurrected. He meets with Peter and the disciples, but he's out there on the shoreline when Peter is out fishing. And he looks up and he's like, is that my Lord? And he's like, it is. So he jumps out, starts swimming to the shoreline. And Jesus is there with like pancakes and eggs, you know. And he's like, like he, he did have breakfast out there. I'd, Doubt it was pancakes and eggs, but it's fish, okay, and uh, bread. So he's sitting out there, and he's like, Peter, do you love me? Well, of course, of course I do. Peter says, then feed my feed my fish, feed the fish, feed my sheep. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Of course I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? So there's something with three with Peter, because in, in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish tradition, threes are significant. It drives home this point of emphasis. So when this vision is casted and it says that it happens three times, we have to lean into this. Surely not, Lord. Surely not, Lord. Surely not, Lord. And I got stuck on that phrase. That Peter, who had seen all of these things happen, who knows what God can do, who walked with Jesus, is still saying, surely not, Lord. And I realized how often I say it myself. After I've seen how God comes through over and over and over again, how I just say, when God asks me to step out or asks me to go out of my comfort zone, I just say, surely not, Lord. That can't be what you're asking of me. And I wonder how many of us today, when we walk in and we're like, 2020, like, surely this is not what you planned, Lord. <laughs> surely this is not going, going your way. Like, surely not. Like, surely not you didn't mean for all of this to happen. Surely not. Did you really allow for this? Did you really? And I started to wonder what gets us to the place of saying, surely not, Lord. And there's three things that I've come up with as I studied Peter. And I believe that the Lord is showing me that keeps us from saying yes to God's grander vision. We're so worried about the things that are in the physical that we can't see the things that are in the spiritual. So we say, surely not, Lord, based off of our earthly circumstances, instead of wondering what his vision is up there to have his perspective to see maybe what he's doing in the unseen. And those things are our customs, our comfort, and our conscience. And we're going to walk through them. The first one is, surely not, Lord. It goes against custom. It goes against my tradition. See, Peter, it says, when the voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat, surely not, Peter said, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. See, Peter had the tradition, because of the Mosaic law, to never eat any of that meat that is unclean, that still had blood in it. I mean, it is in the law. This is tradition. This is who he hangs out with. And now, not only that, he's been asked, as we see later, he's asked to go to a Gentile's house and preach the gospel. That's outside of his tradition, outside of his comfort, outside of his custom. But God's saying, no, 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 I have more for you outside of your tradition, outside of your custom. <laughs> this is silly, but whenever, um, I love traditions, love them. Christmas, my fave. 
for traditions. And I remember when um, my brother-in-law, Bryce, yeah, there he is, waving his hand. Uh, my <laughs> he was supposed to be on the front row, so I was really going to point him out. Uh, I see how it is. Uh, I did not tell him I was doing this. But when he came into our family, the first official Christmas season where Bryce was a part of our family, I remember being here. It was Christmas Eve, and Bryce is a firefighter. Thank you, all first responders. And uh, he's a firefighter. And because of that, there's a rotating um, schedule, right? So he's on two days, off four days, on two days, off four days. So he got Christmas Day on. As a person of tradition, like, they told me the night of that we were going to open up all of our Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. I about had a heart attack. I was literally sitting back there. If you were here that night, I was literally crying. I couldn't function. And it's like absolutely ridiculous. And I'm just like, this isn't Christmas. It's not going to feel like Christmas. What are we even supposed to do on Christmas if we do it all tonight? And I was just like, well, what about me? I'm single. This is my only tradition. You know, like I did say that. <laughs> Thankfully, I've been sanctified since then. No. <laughs> And I was just wondering, how, what are we supposed to do? And what I saw in that moment, which we came to a compromise, but what I saw in that moment was a tradition that was being imposed on, so I saw it as like a lack. I'm like, surely not. But what had actually happened in that moment is God gifted us with an expansion of our family who just happens to be a firefighter and that we can expand into different traditions and how it might look going forward. But what I saw as a hindrance, God's like, this, this is a grander vision for your family to let go of the tradition, for room to move so that God can do something more. It doesn't mean that I have to get rid of all the tradition. It just means I need to be open for what God actually has within them. It's routine, the peril of routine. Did you know that if you work out throughout the week, you do it again the next week, every day you have the same routine? At first, you'll get stronger, but if you do the same thing over and over again, you'll only maintain the muscle. You will never get stronger after that. So you have to shift what you're doing. You have to add weight to your routine to get stronger, to be able to stand up if you're really wanting to see those results. I think sometimes we get so much into our routine, the routine of our family, the routine of our marriage. This is just how we deal with arguments. This is just routine. This is what he does. This is what she does. This is what my kids do. And maybe God's saying, you need to go to them first and apologize. Surely not, Lord. Surely not me. They're wrong. <laughs> Come on. Or in friendships. I had to go through this so recently. You have to go and you have to be willing to mend that bridge because God has something more for you on the other side of that routine. Sometimes those routines work for the moment, but they need to be adjusted as you grow. And that's what God was doing in Peter's life. The Israelites wandering in the desert, wanting to go back to Egypt <laughs> after they were enslaved for over 400 years. They get out into the desert and they're like, I want to go back to slavery. Because slavery at least had meals all the time and it had shelter. And I knew what I was doing every day. I had my routine. I had my tradition. We were under the Egyptian rulers. Like it all just, we had it clockwork, clockwork, clockwork. And God said, guess what? I have something more for you. 
in the midst of the plagues, in the midst of having to stand in front of an, like a sea and wonder if God's going to open it. And Moses, he tells Moses, put that staff in the water. Surely not, Lord. But he did. He didn't say surely not. But we would think that. Like what is about to happen? Because God had something bigger for them. Not in their past, not in their tradition, not in the routine that they got stuck in. Because when you're looking back here, but your vision's up there, how do you even see it? And he's saying, I have more for you outside of your routine. And we need to be more willing to grasp truth than our traditions. The tradition of our countries, the tradition of our family, we need to be taken out of our routine. And 2020 has done that in abundance. (laughs) You don't think God's up to something? He's trying to get us all out of our robotic routine of what we've been doing and what makes us feel safe. But guess what? When you get out of your routine, you feel uncomfortable. The second one is surely not, Lord. It goes against my comfort. Peter wasn't used to being around them. Peter hadn't eaten that before. It was uncomfortable for him to even think about actually bridging that gap and going outside of his people, outside of the norms. It was uncomfortable. It's more comfortable for us to stay with our people, to stay in our denomination, to stay in our political beliefs. It's more comfortable that way to be surrounded by with everybody who thinks and acts just like us. But we are called to go out and to preach the good news to all nations. We can't just stay here. Those things are fine. Community is good. But guess what? God has more for us. Outside of the comfort, he has more for you. Go speak to that stranger. Walk across the room and meet someone new at church. There's not a lot of us here. Go outside of your comfort. When you feel like, surely not, not today. I'm not going to do that today. I'll do it next week, Lord. He's like, I have something more for you and more for something, for the person you're going to talk to even. Jesus spent time with people that made others feel uncomfortable. (laughs) The tax collectors, the adulterers, the prostitutes, the sinners. Jesus spent time with them. I had a vision, and I don't have them often, but I have had a vision, and someone came up to me because they had a vision about me running a monthly event for women in Phoenix. And they had been praying, and they felt like it was supposed to happen, and they're like, Allie, you're the person for the job. And I said, I'm going to wait till God tells me that. Thank you, you know? <laughs> going to have to hear that from him, but appreciate your idea. And so I waited, and I prayed, and I thought about it, and I prayed, and I sought wisdom, and I kept thinking, surely not. Surely not, Lord. Surely not. <laughs> not me. No, no, no. And as I was praying over it, I was heading here. I remember the Sunday morning, and we were in the Battle Ready series, and it was on the the sermon my dad did on being an armor bearer with David and Jonathan. I just remember that morning so vividly. And I was driving up the 10 on the HOV, and I'm looking over to my left, and I'm praying over Phoenix for all the churches that are meeting, and I'm praying, and Carrie Job's like, the dry bones, we cry out to dry bones, come alive song was playing. And I'm just like belting, 
because that's what you do when you get to be by yourself. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm praying over Phoenix. And all of a sudden, I have this vision. And I'm coming, and I don't even, it just happened so quickly, but I had this vision, and I was coming out of these sand dunes, like super sweet. I don't know if I watched Wonder Woman that week. I have no idea. But whatever happened, happened. So I go up, and I'm coming out of these sand dunes, and I look up, and I'm like right at this positioning, and I see the sun, like a light coming straight at me right here, and then there was a city to my left. And I like stand up, and I stand strong, and I'm like in all combat gear, like it's all black combat gear, like all this stuff. My hair was braided and sweet. Any of my visions, I don't know why my hair looks so cool. I'm just saying, <laughs> something about that. And so like, my hair was all, all of a sudden I started moving and all of a sudden I felt movement to my right and to my left. And when I looked, I saw women of all ages, of all cultures, of all backgrounds, not only to my right and to my left, but behind me. They were decked out in combat gear, looking all gorgeous. And we just started walking and God said, now is the time for my daughters to arise. And it was over. It happened so fast, but I remember everything in detail. And I was just crying per usual. And so <laughs> I'm like, what does this mean? Like, and that's why we call it arise. A vision in a moment, but I was uncomfortable. I'm like, who's gonna wanna come to an event? Who even knows, who cares? I don't know, I'm extremely uncomfortable. I'm gonna have to reach out to people. I'm gonna have to plan this thing. And it's in a couple of months. I was uncomfortable. But what happened in my uncomfortability when I said yes to that part, all of a sudden I started thinking of all the reasons why I shouldn't do it. Anybody else been there? The third one is surely not, Lord. It goes against my conscience. It goes against what I think is right and wrong. It goes against my reasoning. Lord, you know that I was born tongue-tied right? <laughs> like you were there. You remember? You made me that way. And I'm like, I was born tongue-tied. I'm dyslexic. I'm afraid to speak in front of people. I don't like to ask people to do things because I always feel bad. And now you're asking me to start a citywide event for women of interge intergenerational, multi-denominational, all these backgrounds. Are you, you got the wrong girl. <sighs> You just do. I don't know what else to tell you. Sorry, like you've never been wrong, but I guess I am the time. Like, <laughs> this is the time. You should write it down in history because this can't be right. Peter is thinking of all the reasons, God, this law and that law, and you said this and you said that. You said them, God. <sighs> all of his reasoning told him that he could not get up, kill, and eat. Surely not, Lord. When we look at the five loaves and the two fish, the only miracle that's in all four Gospels, we have five loaves and two fish for 5,000 people who are hungry, plus women and children. That math, that reasoning is five plus two equals seven. Kind of, because it's loaves and two fish. But in God's economy, five loaves and two fish equals 10,000 plus 12 basketfuls left over. When God calls us to something, he asks something of us. He says, this is the vision I have for your family. This is the vision I have for your finances. This is the vision I have for your ministry and your life, your friendships, for your city, for your generation. And we're like, these are all the reasons why not. And God's saying, I am, as Dana was saying, I am. 
I can do anything. And I love what Dana read this morning because I read it this week in the, in the Passion Translation in the Psalms. And it says that God is the God who strides the ancient skies. That picture blew me away. He is above all of this. So when you think that this plus this is going to equal this, he can make it turn into something more than you could ask or imagine if you say yes. To start the business that he's been asking you in the middle of this economy, Lord, what? To homeschool your children. Surely not, Lord. <laughs> Surely no. <laughs> To send your kids to school. Surely not. Not yet. Not now. Launching that ministry. Starting to work out. Maybe tithing. Oh no. She went there. <laughs> tithing. In this economy, right now, it doesn't make sense for me to give the church, to give God 10% of what I have whenever I'm not sure of the economy. I'm not sure of what it's going. I'm not sure of when I'm getting the next paycheck. And God says, still, I gave you all of it. I'm just asking for 10% of it. And then when we give God that 10% of it, when we trust him, when we're saying, surely not, but God, we believe that you have a grander vision for my finances and for my life and to bless people and be people of generosity, then I can give him that 10% knowing he's going to come through for me. When it doesn't make sense, God says, trust me, I have a grander vision for you. When we have this short-sighted vision, God wants to replace it with his grander vision. To turn your surely nots into why not? Why not? Custom, comfort, conscience. It's often at least one of these three, or maybe all three of them, that keep us from saying yes to what all that God has for us. We don't have to do away with them. We have this thing called the Wesleyan quadrilateral in the Nazarene church, or I guess in the Wesleyan belief. And it is tradition, experience, and your reason all filtered through scripture. And they say that even in, if you're not a believer, it's through your ideology and that equals truth. So what we have here is we have our comfort, which gives us our experiences, what we know, this is our comfort zone. Our reason is our conscience and our tradition and our history is our customs. But when we take all those things, not that we have to get rid of them, but when we take them and we filter it through scripture, when we filter it through the word, when people, Peter filtered it through the Holy Spirit and what he said, do not hesitate, but go with them, he found truth. That was more than he could have asked or imagined. So P Peter goes and he goes to Cornelius and he witnesses to his whole family and to the town. And then all of a sudden these Gentiles are now believers because Peter sought the truth above all of these. And Peter goes on to say in Acts eleven seventeen, he says, who am I to stand in the way of God? Who am I? Who are we to say that God can't use somebody? Who are we to say that God can't use 2020? Who are we to say that God can't use us? Surely not is a short-sighted vision, a response. But God has a grander plan. Surely not, and to why not? 
These two men against custom, against comfort, and against their conscience, the reasoning of why it wouldn't work, they still walked forward when God gave them vision. And we need to be the people of vision, the people who see redemption as possible. We still have months left of 2020. We don't need to be wishing for 2021. God is doing something right now. Be people who are here in the present and embrace where God has placed you and see how he moves when you take on his perspective, his vision of what he's actually doing in the world right now. He's shaking us up. He's sifting us because maybe this isn't the 2020 that you actually envisioned, but it's the 2020 that we've all needed to do a greater work a greater hope in us to remember that this is not about the things in the physical to make us let go of it just a little bit and remember that it's all in the things that are unseen. There is heaven. There is a God who loves us. There were a lot of surely nots that really shouldn't have happened in scripture and God's grander plan Blew everyone away. See, surely not. Surely God wouldn't use a virgin to birth the Messiah in a stable or cave, whichever you believe. He's the king of kings. Why isn't he born into a palace? Why doesn't he have parents that are already together and they have this family and everything's perfect? Surely he wouldn't use that. Surely he wouldn't use a carpenter of lowly status to be the savior of the world. Surely not. No, that doesn't make sense. The Jewish tradition, we're looking for a king, somebody of political power to come in. So surely not, that can't be, Jesus cannot be the Messiah based off of all of our traditions and our comforts and our reasoning. Surely not. Surely Jesus, someone who could save himself, wouldn't come and offer to lay down his life for us. He can save himself. Surely he wouldn't do that. Surely there's another way. And if he did do that and he was buried, surely he didn't get raised from the dead after three days. Is that even possible? Surely not. But see, God is the God of the impossible. And he uses the foolish things to shame the wise, as scripture says. And he used the lowly servant. He used something that no one else expected to completely flip history on its head so that we could be made one with him again, that we could have a relationship with him again. See, Jesus, who was birthed into this broken world, fully human, fully man, and he lived a sinless life so that he could be the spotless, sacrificial atonement for you and for me. But surely not, Lord. You did that for me. He did it for you. Surely he did. The band can come up. We're going to go ahead and close and God has a grander plan, a 
grander picture for each and every one of us and for our city, for our country, and for this generation. I cannot stress this enough. There is more than what we can see right now. There is more going on in the heavenlies than you even know about. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the principles and powers of this dark world. And we are called to take a stand and stand firm on what? The truth, the foundation, the rock of the ages. Customs and comforts and conscience, those things can shift, but the truth stands forever and his name is Jesus Christ. He is God's grand vision, his grand plan. And if you're wondering, I don't have a vision, guess what? His name is Jesus, and I want to invite you into that vision. Because when you do, you can see things that you never saw before. So why not? To turn our surely nots into why nots, and to turn our short-sighted vision into the grander vision. This Year is not canceled. <laughs> it can't be. And by the way, little side note, cancel culture, not in the church. We believe in a God of redemption. We, get, we believe in a God who can come in and take the worst situation, the worst marriage that's happening, the worst uh, sin that's going on in someone's life, whatever it may be, or even the littlest bit, and turn it. Redeem it. And mend it. And make it into everything it was meant to be and more. We need to believe that, church. Be a people of hope that this world is not canceled. We can't do that. We need to believe that there is redemption in sight. There is hope in sight. There is love in sight. There is truth in sight. There is righteousness in sight. And we need to be the people who step up and speak truth no matter what comes our way. Because when we have said surely not, we have watched God come in and then we're like, well, why not? He's done this. He's done that. Why not now? Why not our church? Why not this city? Why not our generation? For revival on the earth. To awaken the church, it's time. It is time. God is shifting and sifting, not on accident, but on purpose, to call you higher. A grander vision. And so will you stand with me as we close today? And we're going to pray because prayer gives perspective. As we see in those visions of Cornelius and Peter, they were praying when they got these visions. And I want to invite you this week, maybe, if you're like, I don't even know if I have a vision. I don't have a word for this year. I don't really have a vision for our family. I don't know. What do I, what does God want out of my life? What does he want? And to spend time in prayer and let him bring that to you. As Peter's coming out of that vision, God brings, the Holy Spirit tells him, don't hesitate. And then the other guys come and they said, come with us. There were many affirmations and confirmations that Peter was on the right track. So when you ask the Lord and you ask this vision and you're in the word, you're in prayer, you're in community, you're in worship, he is going to give you confirmation of these things. We need to be asking and we need to ask for the eyes to see what he is up to. So I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to pray that the Lord gives you insight or maybe one specific situation in your life that you need, that you've been saying, surely not, Lord. I don't need to forgive that person. I can't, can't do that. That's too much. 
um, that goes against my tradition or my comfort zone, Lord. I don't know what that is. I'm just praying that the Lord reveals those places in our lives and then instills us with courage and bravery to actually go and do them, to believe that God can and to believe in who he is. So let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask, and I have open hands. Lord God, I ask for open hearts. No matter the pain that this year has brought, and it has, we're not ignoring it. But Lord, for some reason you've allowed it, so we're gonna grasp onto the hope and to the truth that you have a grander vision for this. That 2020 is a grander vision than we even thought of beforehand. So Lord, I ask that in our own lives, and it might not be some crazy vision or a special vision, but it just might be a knowing. As it says in John 20, 29, it says, blessed are those who don't even have special visions, but get new insight and new wisdom from the Lord. So I'm praying for that over this congregation. I'm praying for that, whoever's listening. I'm praying it over myself, Lord. Point out those places that we need a grander vision. We're living too short-sighted and in the temporal. Give us eyes to see in the eternal. Give us hope again and give us perspective to see from your viewpoint. And give us courage to walk this thing out. Courage to stand in truth. Courage to be hope in a world that is broken and that needs a savior. But we we come before you knowing, even in our brokenness, that we get to be a part of your grander vision, your grander story, that you even use us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And anyone who's dealing with insecurities of like, surely not me, Lord, may it turn into, yes, I can, I can do this, not because of anything I am, but because of everything you've done in me. So Lord, do a new work, transform our lives so that we can go and transform our communities and into this world that needs it more now than it ever has in our lifetime, Lord God. We believe that you are up to something. We believe that you are the one who strides the ancient skies. This is not new to you, so we entrust it to you. Because why not? We love you, Lord. And Ephesians 3, 20, 21 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. To him alone be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone says, amen, amen. amen.